Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome along to the Outlawed Rugby League podcast, episode number 26. In this one, I'm joined by Garen Casey. Garen, of course, played in the NRL and over here in England as well. However, we aren't talking about Garen Casey, we are talking everything USA Women's Rugby League. I'm really excited about this. Hope you're excited about it. Love how much detail Garen goes into with all this. Look, go grab yourself a beer, get on board, and just enjoy this one, guys. Cheers. So welcome along to Garen Casey, um, potentially better known uh, for your career with Parramatta, Penrith, Wakefield and Salford. Um, but we're not here to talk about Garen Casey, we're here to talk about USA Women's. How are you, buddy? Yeah, pretty good. Yeah, thanks for having me on. No, absolute pleasure. Absolute pleasure. So for those that, that potentially don't know you, just give us a little bit of a background into uh, you know your, your rugby league background, if you like. Uh, yeah, um, basically Australian-born. Um, been in, in the game ever since I was four and a half years old. It's in my blood. So um, made it all the way through. Uh, went through to college. Uh, played with Patricia Butler-Fairfield, Australian schoolboys into Parramatta. Um, and made first grade debut 94. Um, and then went on with uh, Super League uh, with Penrith and moved over to the UK in 98. Uh, with Wakefield Trinity, we had a successful season there. We won the we won the uh, League One uh, at that time, and uh, got them uh, promotion into Super League. And had one year with Salford, and a um, few injuries uh, set me back, and ended up uh, retiring pretty much after that in the year two thousand. And since then, I've been uh, pretty much in and out of in and out of the game. But uh, now I found my way into the US after marrying a. Uh, a US US girl and um, yeah, here I am starting up a US Women's Rugby League. Fair play, fair play. No, I think it's uh, I think it's huge and it, it's quite interesting. You know, the the more and more I do this um, podcast and the more and more you speak to people, it's amazing how people kind of end up in the situations that they are. And you know, obviously, I think there's a lot of people out there that are, that are grateful. To be fair, that that all of a sudden we we have a USA Women's. Um, you know, for me, to be fair, this is huge. So. Um, you know, given obviously the relative success of stuff like Canada Ravens, why do you think now's the time to grow the women's game specifically in the US? Um, well, I think it's just been a <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, I think it's just been a natural progression, to be honest with you. Like it's one of those things where you look at where the game's going globally. Um, you know, it's one of the fastest moving games, uh, fastest growing games in the in the world. Uh, essentially, the women's side. Sure. Um, and like you look at the development of it, like a lot of lot of women are, are looking at it from a um, you know a participation aspect. Um, there's a lot of push around women's empowerment, um, things like that. So getting them into that type of community uh, type of uh, setup certainly helps build great relationships. Um, and women over here, it's certainly in the US, uh, there's a lot of women that actually play rugby. Yeah. Um, and they haven't really had any other outlet. They've just had rugby. Mm-hmm. Um, so now with league becoming very prominent with how things are going with the Women's National Rugby League down there in Australia and obviously the importance of the introduction of women into the World Cup um, and the success of the Ravens and, and countries like that, um, it's really the perfect time for the US to get involved in it. Um, and it's just we're going about our business and making sure we're doing it right. Mm. No, absolutely, and and you're right in what you're saying. You know, obviously, we've had the development of the of the women's NRL, the the women, obviously, the women's Super League over here as well, um, and then obviously the kind of the big leaps that we've had in terms of the international game, where all of a sudden we've had 
a women's World Cup. We've had a women's nines World Cup. So I think you're right in what you're saying. You know, one one stat that I absolutely love, and I know I've mentioned this previously in the podcast, is over 70% of women in the States watch the NFL, so watch the National Football League. So now, as, as you rightly said there, you know, there are women out there playing rugby or rugby union, as, as some people know it as. Um, now is the time for, for rugby league to grow. And all of a sudden, like you say, we have a, a contact sport for that 70% of women to actually play, never mind watch. Do you not agree? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're looking at also a scenario where, um, you know, women, and, like when they, were, when they were children, were playing football uh, at the backyard with their brothers and father mm. and things like that. So they've just naturally had that competitive instinct in them and they've never really had a pathway into playing any type of contact sport um, other than rugby. So now it's a perfect opportunity for uh, for things to really to progress. Um, and it's one thing I, you know, I like about how the, the women's uh, side compared to the men's is that men are always going to have that um, instinct in them from a competitive nature about playing football and, and rugby and soccer and all those type of competitive areas where Women are very easy to, to teach. Uh, they're very responsive in relation to coaching practices, uh, being very progressive. So it's it's really all of the things are falling in place, um, and it's it's something that we, we're really looking forward to. Mm. I've certainly noticed that. I think you're right in what you're saying. When you you're ever to coach kind of men's or, or boys or whatever it is. It almost feels like they have a, an opinion of their own where it's like, well, actually, I think this is better than the coach to a certain extent, obviously. Um, and, and like you say, with, with women, they tend to be a little bit more receptive to um, sort of coaching practices and everything like that. Absolutely. So, in fairness, I'm assuming, obviously, this isn't a, a one-man band idea. Um, how did it all come about? And, and kind of, if you're allowed to say, who's involved? Yeah, well, I mean, originally, um, when I first came over in 2015, I mean, I always had something that I wanted to do. Um, you know, I came over here in, at that time and I just basically just wanted to settle in and, you know, work my way with, with DirecTV and things like that. So just on a completely different employer area. And um, the more and more I got looking around, the more and more I found that there is a need for, for this. So I just started asking a few different questions and I, incidentally, I actually spoke with Nate Gladden Sure. Um, from Rugby League Podcast, and he said, yeah, there's a guy down there in South Carolina. Uh, have a chat with Andy Lucas. So Andy and I got talking, um, and that's where the Carolina Nines got started last year. Um, yeah. So, and like that's that that went off uh, pretty well. Um, and then the whole, <clears throat> excuse me, the whole push from there was actually to get things into um, getting some status uh, from the international rugby league perspective. Um, and the more we looked at it, the more developments needed in the domestic game. Um, so that was really the focus of it. We we're kind of putting the, the car before the horse, essentially trying to get into the World Cup. But um, you know, in, in some ways, it's, it's kind of a blessing in disguise that it's come this way because we're, we're building well uh, in, in this in this area. So um, at the moment, it's just myself. I've got a marketing um, a marketing lady. Um, Brie, she's awesome. Like, you know, you can see all the stuff out there on Instagram and Facebook, and you know, all the stuff that she's doing on that side is really helping build the profile. Um, and it's hitting the kinds of it's hitting the areas in the market that we need to, um, and just basically letting people know that hey, we're here, we're not here to we're not here to take over, we're here as, as an option. Um, these are the this is the opportunity that we've got, uh, you know, come along, uh, and come along for the ride. So um, at the moment, it's just Bree and I. I've got uh, 
I've basically got a, a business associated with an endorsed um, competition from the USARL. Yep. So being the, being the only endorsed um, competition for women, which is great. Um, and then we're also in the process of doing a non-profit as well. So that will help us with our corporate um, direction. Sure. Um, and then from there, we've obviously got, uh, you know, I'm, we've got a coaching and education area. Um, so everyone that coaches will be level one accredited. Um, so we're doing everything right by way of our you know, responsibilities on that side. Mm. Um, and then in, in association with that, obviously, we've got our junior development, but more importantly, our support from our sponsors, which is Girl. Um, they're a great, um, great brand for us. They're very... Um, the synergy between them and us is very good because, like I was saying before, in regards to the empowerment uh, of women, and you know, very, um, you know, they're non-judgmental. They're, you know, anyone can play a sport, anyone can do anything in the world. Um, you know, really, really, um, really good focus from a from a women's perspective. Um, and then obviously we've got Health Sync Global, which is one of our um, supplement partners, um, which is launching a, a whole range of new supplements for us um, in the next couple of weeks. As a matter of fact. Incredible, incredible. And no, I, I completely agree with what you're saying. In terms of if you can get kind of brands that are on board with um, sort of your ethics, if you like, and, and kind of the way you want to build the USA women's brand as well, then, then that can only be a good thing. And I've, I've seen some pretty cool, um, pretty cool kit and everything like that that you guys have got going on as well, which is, which is massive. Because um, am I right in saying that you guys obviously, you know, a little there, uh, global pandemic got in the way but you guys were meant to start in hawaii this year is that right yeah well what we were looking at doing was um actually launching a we we're going to do a um a little camp out in uh, hawaii of all places um so we we're going to take some uh take some players out there and we had some pretty good numbers we had just around 50 uh 54 i believe wow. uh, of the guys that were going to go out there and we we're just going to play um some nines and you know, have um you know two days of just full-on skills um, and things like that. So we had good response from that. Um, and that was during that time when, you know, the, obviously the we're hoping that the pandemic would have been over by now. Like it was supposed to be there probably next week, um, as a matter of fact. So um, with that all not going to plan, we've kind of readjusted and focusing our attention on, um, on Austin uh, in Texas in November this year. Yeah, yeah. No, that's, that's incredible. I mean... You know, if you guys obviously get out to, to Hawaii, say next year, I mean, I think I'm free, whatever whatever day it is. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, the good thing about the Hawaii area is that, I mean, like Kelly Kelly McGill and Martha out there, they're like they've they're progressive and they're forward thinking in, in their approach. Um, and you know, they're they're looking for opportunities. You know, there's going to be some NRL games being played out there in Hawaii next year, um, just as trials at the beginning of the year and things like that. So. Yeah. They're really involved in the game and trying to get it get it going. Um, and we looked at Hawaii as a as an opportunity too, because when I communicated with Brad Donald down there in Australia, who's a Gillaroo's coach, um, and I mentioned it'd be great to have like that relationship established between the NRL women's and USA women's. Um, and then he kind of elaborated back on that, saying, "Well, he can send over some scouts and do some testing and and things like that, kind of align ourselves with them." based on their benchmark testings and see where things are in regards to, like, their players. And from there, who knows, there could be scholarships that come out from our American U.S. women to go down there and play in the, in the U.S. in the uh, Women's Rugby League down there in Australia. Wow, that's incredible. That is incredible. And I think, 
you know, obviously given the the Polynesian influence in in Hawaii as well, obviously that's that's massively going to help. I mean, like yeah. so you've already kind of alluded to to the numbers that were kind of um, interested, if you like, in in the first instance. How much does the fact that obviously you can represent your country help that? Uh, I mean, at the moment, it's it's kind of like we kind of put it in a, in a position of you know get in and getting get involved with the game, um, that type of thing. But when we look at the amount of athletes that are actually playing rugby right now, like from a, from a women's side, there is thousands. <laughs> um, and, you know, there's only a small percentage of, like if you take um, the percentage of athletes um, across that go through college, there's only a small percentage that actually make it. Mm. Um, and there is a lot of opportunity there. A lot of, a lot of people will go away from sport because there's really no pathway there. Yeah. So... Um, by providing another opportunity, this obviously means very like places us in a good position because coming up to obviously November this year when we're going to hold with Austin, that's going to be an introduction into the game. It's going to be you know for other girls that have already played, you know, get more um, hands on with with our national coaches like myself and you know Tiff Fay and 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 eighty and those those type of guys. So. Basically, they're going to get a little bit more exposure to the game. Then we're going to go into next year, so we'll have our first tournament around May, around March. But when it comes to national representation, it's going to be in May, mm-hmm. so because the America's Championship. So um, because we had to, uh, the IRL um, had to postpone it because of uh, COVID. Uh, we're supposed to be in Jamaica in November, um, so now they've pushed that all back to May. So there's a nines and uh, 13's um, tournament planned for early May uh, timeframe where girls who may have been trying to get into USA Eagles uh, representation for years and years and years now may find themselves um, you know, being able to be a US representative for the, for the Hawks. Mm. Um, all they need to do is just come along to Austin and um, be involved in our tournaments prior and uh, they'll be up for selection. Wow. Well, and you know we we've talked about some some pretty big places, you know, Hawaii, Austin, Texas. How hard has it been to, to kind of do it all from scratch? It's been difficult. Um, but one of the things that like we really looked at was kind of I took a step back and, and I looked at um, how things have been done in the past. Um, you know, taking experiences from you know seeing how the men's has developed. You know, see they're predominantly most on the east coast. Then um, you look at now uh, LA's coming on board, um, and you know they're developing well over that side. But there's pockets and areas, and one of the good things about how Bree's going about her, her work with with the marketing is that we can grab analytics from anything that we do from Instagram, social media, and we can find out where these pockets of areas are. So what we decided to do is look at it more from a regionalization approach, um, you know, region by region and development development area. And then progress that model into another area, um, so it's progressive. Um, and so we're not just basically walking in saying, "Here's a blanket, throw it over the US and say, hey, 'Hey, we're here.'" Um, this is more so a, like a, a more face-to-face, direct approach, um, and working with local clubs as well. It's really important that we we engage with them um, because there is one of the things that you know I, I kind of always elaborate on is that. Over here, the landscape in regards to actually participation in sport uh, has a lot to do with the cost factor. So it's, it is extremely, it can get expensive. Yeah. Um, and what we want to try and do is obviously go from that regionalization approach where we're actually decreasing travel 
between matches. Um, and then we'll look at like doing more nines. Um, tournaments where girls are getting anywhere between four to four to six games um, per day um, when they actually go into an event. So they're getting more value out of the less travel time, getting more playing time. And by doing that, we're actually decreasing the cost of them and their, their spend that they're actually going to be uh, going to be doing. So, you know, we look at um, insurances and stuff that's quite quite high um, over here um, from a um, from a perspective of, of coverage. So everyone has you know their own personal insurances. Um, but when it comes down to liability insurances and things like that, it can get quite expensive. But we've been able to find a model that's going to work, um, and, and it's going to actually decrease the amount of spend from a player's perspective. Obviously, they're not going to be travelling so far, so the spend there is going to be less. Yeah. Um, and at the same time, with our partners in our programs, we're going to be able to feed the money back into the game rather than, you know, being top-heavy executive-wise because um, that's that's our goal is to actually continually rebuild, continue to build the game and yeah. put money back into the game so, so it actually continues on for many years to come. Yeah, and I think that's massive. I think um, I think nines is a huge part of our game. I think it's got a massive future in terms of development because, like you say, it allows um, both men and women. It allows people to to be able to to travel to one venue, have a, a full day, full weekend, whatever it is of, of playing rugby, watching rugby, you know, participate in in whatever form you want to participate in. But you also see the the benefit of it, of, of it in terms of you're not going to I don't know. Um, you know, Carolina to, to Florida just for, for an 80 minute game, you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. I mean, like, you look at you look at the men's, for example, you've got Atlanta. Um, so, Atlanta, who are obviously in Georgia, they're in the southern region of the USRL. Their closest team is down there in Florida. So, you know, it's, it's a five, six hour trip. Um, you know, they're down there for the weekend. That's so being able to look look at them as an example, and like even take it in perspective, the uh, women's women's Premier League for the for rugby over here, um, again Atlanta are in that same position. So there's Atlanta; they have to travel. They may need to go to LA. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so th- there is a big cost associated with running that that type of organisation. So um, our model is to actually help support the WPL as well. Like we don't we don't want to take anything away from them. We in a lot of ways what we want to do is add value to them. Um, so there is there is a great opportunity for both of the codes to exist and like for clubs like the, like those WPL clubs to be um, like a major leader in those regions. So and then surround them with those small pockets of clubs which help feed finances and things back into the region. So um, which essentially from that that WPL club like Atlanta, for example, has funds that can actually help them in their WPL season. Yeah. Um, so it, it just makes sense for it to be a progression rather than it to be two separate things. Sure. Um, and I've reached out to the WPL um, ladies and um, you know my, one, my assistant coach, uh, Tiff Faye, is obviously a, a rugby coach as well. Um, and so she's we were in communication and we're working in the right uh, steps on that side, but obviously with COVID and, and things like that, it's it's very difficult to put dates on and, and, and plan and things like that, but we're, we're still progressing. Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, kind of going back to a couple of points you made in terms of um, both the men's and women's game, I think the, the good side of it is you're not kind of 
uh, pinned down, if you like, by the USA or well, in terms of the men's section. So you're not forced to have to, like, say, a team like that. You can, you can pull in clubs like um, Chicago, like Queen City Royals, like, um, you know, in fairness, like Atlanta, if they've got, obviously, that um, demand for it as well, which which all of a sudden, you know, you could have pockets of, of nine tournaments with there, which then all of a sudden you have a uh, almost like a grand final style tournament at the end as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the, the good the good thing that we've got um, in regards to the men is that they've been very supportive of what we're doing. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they're very, they're very keen on actually having you know, women's teams um, out of their clubs, which is great. And it's, um, you know, we'll just, we'll just help them in relation to the development, uh, development side of it and, you know, engage with the women, um, you know, from, from our perspective and, and drive players into those particular um, clubs. Um, and at the same time, it'll actually help everything grow. I mean, the the goal would be to actually have, you know, if you're playing on a Saturday, you should be able to go there and watch a women's game, a master's game, and a men's game all on the same day. Um, and that's like for 13s. And then you go to these other times where you have nines tournaments and you can have a mixture of, you know, masters, women, men, um, and like all that type of stuff. So you're on one location. Surround that with some food trucks and beer tents, things like that, make it a, make it a good day, and you know, it's, it's everyone's happy. I'm sold. I'm sold. Uh, <laughs> um, no, I, I I do completely agree, and, and like you say, it's 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 not necessarily a radical um, reinvention of the wheel, if you like. And 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 just kind of going back to what you were saying about college sports. Let's be fair; the only really major league sport that's out there for women now in the States is basketball because you've got the women's NBA. Obviously, you've still got a bit of soccer and, like I say, a bit, of, um, a bit of rugby as well. But do you think that the USA women's rugby league national side is going to help to kind of pave the way for a domestic competition potentially? Um, I think the exposure of it will be very good. Um, you know, it's it'll make people certainly sit up and see that there is um, a progression in the, in the sport. Um, and the development is continually moving, and it's it's. I mean, America is such a wide out area um, that you know there is opportunity everywhere. But you know, rather than as we mentioned before, rather than going and just blanket everything and say, "Hey, we're here," um, you know, it's a it's a softly, softly approach, um, and making sure that you know engaging the right people um, and, and moving it forward in the in the right direction. So, I mean, I think the exposure certainly how I was talking before in relation to the WPL, like just getting those athletes continually keeping them in the game, whether it be league or union, offers more opportunity. Then once you start driving that, then you look at corporate uh, involvement. You look at more governance uh, coming in, whether the IRL come in and say, yes, we want to do professional leagues and and stuff like that. Um, You know, those type of things, when you look at the blueprint that the IRL um, are, are projecting and looking towards, um, really helps establish where we're at currently. Um, you know, we're, we're looking at as we move forward, I think the plan is to actually have America as our own particular region. So um, it's great to be able to have that communication and and, um, and operate in the same space with Canada, Jamaica, um, you know, Brazil, for example, and all of these things can really tie in well um, and actually help elevate the game. Um and everyone wins. It's it's not like one particular code will win, um, because you know for us it's not a competition. It's us for it's participation. It's it's engagement with 
uh, with women, um, you know, all of these different things that are happening in the world. We just want to exclude all those and just get focused on, on, on what we want to do and move forward. Mm. And I think there's a, a massive future and potential for the women's game, um, especially obviously it's kind of the leaps and bounds that we've made to to get kind of a, a full World Cup competition going. I think obviously you guys aren't involved next year, but how much is that going to help you in terms of, um, you know, like like you just mentioned there, Brazil are involved, obviously Canada are involved uh, in your region. You know, are you going to kind of look to them to not necessarily help them out, but but kind of help you guys out in terms of I don't know friendly competitions and stuff like that, and and again obviously the develop development of Jamaica as well. Yeah, I mean it's uh, one of the things that you know, I mean I've, I've spoken with Mike Castle from uh, from the Ravens. Um, he's the coach up there, and I said, look, you know, anything that we can do to help out, um, you know, let me know. Um, I haven't been in, I haven't been in contact with the Brazil guys there. Um, you know, Rob Bergen, I believe, uh, he's based over there in Australia. So um, I haven't really had much to do with the Brazilian side, the Brazilian side but, I mean, we're certainly here um, to, to help out in any way we can. Um, you know, it's because, I mean, they're not only over there representing, representing their country, they're representing the region. Yeah. Um, you know, our goal, ourself, would be to obviously get there. Um, you know, and we've obviously got the America's Championship next, next May, so... That's for, for me going into that. It's an opportunity just to create that footprint um, for us uh, internationally, just to say, hey, the US are here uh, on, on the international stage, um, and it would be good to measure up against someone who's actually in the World Cup, just to see where we're at currently, and you know, and then put things in, into place and move towards uh, starting our qualifying in 2022 and moving into towards the, the World Cup in 2025. Sure, sure. And I think, you know, there's there's going to be some people out there that are probably a bit apprehensive in terms of how good you guys are going to be because you're almost a unknown entity, if you like. Because like you say, you've not played any games. Um, you've got relatively high interest of, of women that want to play the game. You know, you've got a half-decent um, or better than half-decent uh, rugby union set in terms of, of women's as well. Like you say, you know, you've mentioned the, the America's comp next year. Is kind of surely at the Nines World Cup is kind of the first competitive goal, if you like, and then and then potentially, like you say, the, the 13s World Cup after that. Yeah, uh, it's. I mean, you you make a good point in regards to the Nines. Um, you know, and like even like the uh, the Eagle Sevens um, teams for the Olympics next year and things like that. So, I mean, the women and the men from the US perspective in Union are traditionally quite good. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a lot of speed. Um, you know, there's there's a there's a lot of skill in that area. So that doesn't necessarily make you a good nines player or a third ends player. But it, you know, you're talking about being able to grab the attention uh, in a similar type of format um, and try and mould them into those little intricacies and little uh, little variances that a, a league player has. Um, so we can actually build quite a I'm confident that we can actually build quite a uh, quite an extensive um, offering mm. in regards to our team. So it's just getting them into the mindset of, hey, this is league, not union, um, and just the, the coaching process being very um, systematic um, in, in regards to their development. Yeah. And I think women are, are going to be very receptive, like you say, if, if they are going to take play in uh, rugby union or you know, they're interested in, in football or whatever it is, whatever sport it is, they're going to be quite receptive to, um, like I said, that, that coaching and everything like that. And and obviously, if 
you know, we, we, we see quite a successful, as, as you rightly say, a successful sevens um, side in terms of both men's and women's in the US, but also a successful uh, sorry sevens tournament as well. So if you were, like I say, I'm going to take the, the America's Championship next year, if you're able to, to kind of, not necessarily obviously replicate that on, on that big kind of grand scale, if you like, in, in San Francisco or, or Vegas, for example, but if all of a sudden... You know, you, you had, I don't know, three, four, five thousand people come to watch out, you know, and watch the women's team. Surely that's kind of the, the first concrete step in the right direction. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's what we're looking at is uh, like our first tournament next year will be more focused around probably the East Coast. Um, there is a few good areas and pockets of areas over here. I mean, like Florida is traditionally known over here as being. A rugby league area because you know, the, the amount of teams that are over there, um, like Jacksonville, etc., um, and the climate's always good <laughs> down that down that area. Um, but you know those type of things where we want to try and put a if it's going to be there, it might be over in LA, for example. Um, just really got to toss up where we want to want to do it, but that will be that will be a good opportunity for us to kind of establish a, like an, an annual event. Uh, with that, so certainly totally um, supportive of what you were saying there about making it like uh, you know try and get three thousand, five thousand people come out watching that, those type of areas. Um, I know the guys over there at the London Nines are, are looking at doing a tournament over here next year as well, uh, probably around the October timeframe, I believe. So um, you know we, we're looking at different progressive um, times in regards to doing Nines tournaments um, and getting people out and. Uh, you know, the important thing is obviously to work with places like, you know, organisations like the WPL, uh, make sure that there's no conflicting sure. dates. Uh, we want to get the best players playing in those events because um, that, that helps everybody. It's, you know, it's it's great to have players just show up and, and play and enjoy themselves and there's other people that really want to do it, um, you know, and, and, and make the most out of opportunities. Um, so, yeah, that's that's pretty much where we're, we're looking at. So, Certainly, May, May, April next year, we'll be looking at trying to get that type of event on, that, that exposure event, and include the men and obviously masters uh, as well. I think I think you kind of hit the nail on the head there in terms of the key word there is exposure. And, you know, if you guys can get involved in, like you say, I don't know, London Nines is an invitational side, if you like. You know, you're right in what you're saying in terms of they're looking at a Vegas tournament as well. Um, you know, we've previously mentioned the Carolina Nines. And, you know, if all of a sudden you have a... a tournament or even just a singular game in, in somewhere that like you say could be on the east coast because that's where predominantly obviously rugby league is in terms of the men's setup you know you, you could use facilities from clubs that we've mentioned previously like atlanta you know down in florida whatever it is and all of a sudden it, it just starts to create that that momentum and, and obviously if you can get uh, teams like canada on board all of a sudden from a um I'm going to use the word neutral, but what I mean by neutral perspective is someone that might not necessarily know our game or, or understand our game, but they know the rivalry between Canada and America in, in terms of, I don't know, hockey or, or something like that. Do you think that you can kind of use that to build a um, an intense rivalry, if you like, with the Ravens to, to kind of, again, build more exposure and, and interest, if you like? Yeah, exactly. It's um, I mean, when you look at there's a, a lot of different 
pass to that question. So, um, the, I mean, the, the main thing we're, like, we're looking at from a domestic exposure to like, for, like internationally is that, you know, we had a team like the Roots um, that in the Carolina Nines there last year. Um, you know, they, they narrowly beat us, uh, the, the, you know, the Charlotte uh, Panteras team. Um, and they went over there to London and won the, won the event over there. So, you know, they've already had success on that side. So, you know, the, there is an understanding and a like that we we kind of can can actually produce some some good teams, um, and then the whole thing in relation to the relationship between us and, and Ravens and things like that. Um, it's kind of like going back to something you mentioned earlier. Like instead of re- reinventing the wheel, um, you know, I remember like growing up as a kid. Like the when you look at the tours for the Kangaroo yeah. tours. Um, you know those type of things. Those rivalries between Great Britain and, and Australia every four years were fantastic. You know, um, so I've already spoken to Brad Donald uh, about Australia coming over and playing against Americans. Uh, in a in a like a, a tour, and I do I'd like to do the same with like UK. Uh, those sort of things. So trying to make an America's team would mean that obviously there is going to be a competition between Canada and the U- and the US. We can establish test matches. Uh, things like that. You know, I spoke to Justin um, from Quincy Royals there uh, the other day. So there's opportunities up there to actually have competitions based around out of Birmingham yeah. um, and in, engage with Ontario, Toronto. You know, really, you know, you look at that landscape up there and I know it's kind of a, a excuse the, the pun, but it's we're crossing borders. Sure. Um, and it's really engaging the relationship between, you know, Canada and, and the U.S., and making sure that the game's evolving. So establishing those rivalries, um, you know, goes hand-in-hand hand with what we're doing in November with Austin. We've got East versus West. Um, you know, we're trying to build that type of state of origin type of profile. Um, and it's, we've got to start, we've got to start somewhere. Uh, and that's essentially where we're, we're starting it. And then, you know, hopefully when the men come along board and, and, and all those type of things and get regards to those processes, we can actually have, a good product that could essentially be, you know, television worthy or things like that. So it'd be great. Mm. That would be massive. And, and you're right in what you're saying, just going back to kind of that um, state of origin or, or like you say, the Kangaroos against Great Britain kind of tour rivalry, if you like. It's it's massive for our game because if you, if you ever, well, obviously you'll understand it yourself, obviously, you know, playing over here. But if you ever watch England against Australia, people aren't people are obviously bothered, but they're more bothered if it's Great Britain against Australia, which is a bit of a bizarre thing. Um, but like you say, if you can have, I don't know, the, a tournament where all of a sudden you have you guys, Canada, Jamaica and Brazil in a, a four-team tournament, and then from that you pull out the best of the best, and all of a sudden, like you say, you have an America's team, and then you're playing against uh, the Gillaroos or against, uh, like you say, a, a Great Britain select or an England select, whatever it is. Then, then all of a sudden, like you say, you, again, you start to build those kind of rivalries and, and, and everything like that to, to kind of take forward. And, and all of a sudden, you've, you've, you've built, a, again, built a brand, if you like. Does that make sense? Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's that, those type of ideas that actually help elevate the game internationally um, as well in other areas. So, I mean, there's, there's no reason why, like, Europe can't do the same. Um, I you know, the UK does it, uh, the Americas do it, and then the Asia-Pacific areas do it. So, you know, it, you're kind of like creating competitions within competition, kind of like a mini mini World Cup, essentially, but you, you're making, you know, whether you put certain criterias on, say you can only select 
X amount of players out of each each club, each uh, yeah. country. Um, you know, so it's really making sure that the responsibilities um, are there from a from a controlling area to make sure that everyone's involved, rather than just be, you know, if say for example, if you know, Canada were the best team in in, the, in this region, and thirteen people are selected from Canada, and there's only one from Brazil, one from America, or one from the US, and you know, two from Brazil, for example, mm. um, that defeats the purpose. So it's and it's those type of things where you want to try and put it into perspective where, you know, you share the coaching roles, you know, one year it might might be, you know, Mike from Canada, next year it might be me, yeah. things like that. You know, those type of those type of arrangements can quite, can spread quite well. Um, and, again, it's kind of like a bit of a, a you know, bragging rights, so to speak, saying, hey, our reach is better than yours, um, so to speak. So it's, it, it creates, a, like, a really... Really good rivalry, and it certainly makes World Cups even more interesting when it comes around to um, every four years. Absolutely, absolutely, and you're right in what you're saying. You know, you can have those kind of um, not sub competitions, but those competitions outside the World Cup. You know, like your, your four nations, or your five nations, or your Pacific nations, or your Americas, whatever it is. Um, and then all of a sudden, like you say, it builds that momentum into stuff like World Cups, which which is obviously huge. But well, obviously, you know. You're very kind of um, new to the to the international scene, if you like, in terms of America. So, what what kind of tips and pointers have you got, um, you know, potentially for other women's international sides, or even in de- indeed men's sides, you know, from from countries that are thinking about it? Um, I, I think it's. I mean, the big thing for me is that I haven't rushed into it, and it's, it's like one of those things where. Um, you know, I've been very selective on people who I've engaged with. You know, the, the model that I wanted to, you know, put forward was something where there is everyone's equal. There is there's no one person better than the other. Um, we want to grow like grow vertically. So we want to basically put in, you know, this reason why you know I'm working with people like you know, Girl and Helson Global and like EV2 from the apparel brand, um, those type of thing, those type of thing with our on with our on field stuff. So. I mean, what we want to do is be able to actually use and work with partners where we're, we're all growing uh, in that vertical space and there's no conflicts of interest um, at all. So we all have, you know, a key area of accountability um, rather than have, you know, 10 directors trying to tell us what to do, so to speak. So, um, you know, the guys that I've got working alongside me, like they're very, they're very passionate as well. Um, and, you know, I would certainly think that, there is a there is a happy medium, um, you know, when, when it comes down to um, controlling things, and you know, at the same time, yes, I yes, I've started this and and it's progressing exactly the way I've, I've planned it, and you know, there's going to be people that come in and say, hey, I can help out, and, and you know, I can do this x x y z type thing, and I'm totally up for you know having conversations with people and you know, sponsors and engaging with people like that um you know, at the end of the day it's it's the game that's that i'm focused on yeah. um you know it's not the it's not the rewards um the reward for me would be to, to be in the next world cup um and that would be something that i could progress to um you know i i, I know that i'm what 46 years old now um and, and and building into that time when you know a lot of people think that this is the a coach's right time um, when they really start to evolve. But I think what really needs to happen is like the more 
focus we put on US um, born and US established um, uh, identities. Certainly in regards to coaching and things like that as they progress, um, it, the better the game will be from an identity point of view. Um, and it's something that we really want to want, like I really want to work towards um, at the moment and just kind of kind of help um, yeah, usher things in, in the right direction and then say, there you go, I've done my bit um, and, and, and develop from there. So um, I'll always be involved in the game and I'll always be involved in the administration side of it as well, but yeah, you can't do everything. Um, and that's why I've kind of, I've, I've got the right people on board now. And, you know, I'm happy to happy to add to that and uh, happy to support any any ideas that people may have as well. Incredible, incredible. And you're right in what you're saying. I think it's huge. If you can put out a, a side that is, you know, argument second is 13, so a 17 uh, women's side that is completely born and bred American, um, then, then that is massive. You know, no heritage players or anything like that. And obviously, like you say, you're not, you're not ruling out heritage players. Let's, let's be fair. But at the same time, that, that development of women within the country is, is massive. And, and it just goes back to kind of the, the initial thing, the, the East versus West, where all of a sudden, you know, you've got um, 17 on 17 and, you know, it, and potentially more, you know, you might have two squads of 20, for example, all of a sudden you've got 40, 50, I don't know, 60, 60 women that want to get involved. And, and that surely is, is, is the key to the long-term development for, for the USA. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like right now we've got just under 100, around 130, 100, about 134 girls, um, like right now, um, that are very keen on developing into, into the sport. Um, and that's that's just something that we've done just through word of mouth, social media, um, you know, things like that. So once we start playing, um, you know, like I was mentioning this to uh, mentioning this to one of the other areas that, that we're looking at. Um, the other day, and it's, it's like you you look at where women women are. They'll go to an event. So t- two women will go to an event, um, and they'll they'll enjoy it. They'll have a good time and and things like that. Then all of a sudden, they'll invite two two other people, and then those two other people invite three other yeah. people. All of a sudden, you've got fifty people all going to that one event, all having a good time, all playing around, having um, you know, enjoying the, enjoying playing and uh, the social side of it, and things like that. So. All of a sudden, you've got a you got to one event, fifty people. Where two weeks earlier you might have only had two. Um, so that's and that's how infectious this type of scenario can be. Um, you know, with that, again, part of the pun in relation to the current COVID I was going to say, it sounds like the R rate. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I mean, it's it's one of those things where it's, it's going to grow, um, and the the more we can actually put the right product out there for people to come and enjoy, um, the, the better. It's like people just want to see a plan. They, they want to see, you know, if we're here right now in 2020, where, where are we going to be in 2023, 2025, you know, 2030, those, those type of things. So we're already, look, my, my five-year plan, I'm already three years into it and I've, only, and I've only been into it for probably a year. So... How things have gone really quickly has it all come about from the from the help of you know the, engaging with those right people, uh, doing you know doing things um, like very well um, and getting the right support from our sponsors. It's been it's been awesome. No, absolutely, absolutely, and it, it kind of leads nicely onto to kind of my final question, if you like. 
what do you see as the long-term plan for the USA women's national side and obviously the, the women's game in the US full stop? Uh, certainly professional. Um, that's I think that's something that everyone would want to aim for. Um, you know, there's a lot of there is a lot of uh, area to cover before we even get to that space. Um, but when we look at things developing, like as I mentioned before, regards to doing it like step by step and in a, in a modular way, like every region, um, eventually those regions all join up, um, and you then create obviously more players, which creates more opportunity. Um, you know, we can then host more representative games, so we can do regional-based representative teams. Um, all these different type of things coincide with, with like the, the overall approach of, of making sure that the game is self-sustaining. So you don't want to have a game come in um, and be around for, you know, three or four years and all of a sudden fade away. You want to be able to continually evolve. Um, and by doing that, you want to put the right um, product out there in the, in the marketplace. And, and I think with everything that's going on in the world uh, right now in regards to COVID and you know, all, all of these other, other movements that are, that are happening, I want to try and develop the right culture. Um, and, that, and that culture essentially should be the culture that should be around the world right now. So where, where nothing is a problem, you know, everyone's there for each other. Um, and if that if that can be something that everyone can kind of uh, work towards, uh, you know, we're going to be in a better position. So you know, there should be no financial politics or whatever. It should be just about the sport, about enjoying yourself. Um, it shouldn't be about the you know the colour of someone's skin. Um, it should all be about moving towards uh, like a, a common environment where everyone's everyone's equal. Hundred percent, hundred percent, and I couldn't agree more with you. And. You know, it doesn't matter, like you're saying, the, the colour of your skin, the gender, anything like that. I think if someone wants to enjoy a sport or an activity or whatever it is, then, you know, I say crack on, you know. Yeah. There should, be no yeah there should be no barriers whatsoever. Like, you know, if you, it, do, it doesn't matter whether you're transsexual or whatever. It's, you, you should be able to live your life um, and not have anything go against you. If you if you determine on doing something, go go for it. Um, there should be no reason why you should be held back, whether it be, you know, privilege or, or whatever. Everyone should have the same rights you know, and, the, and the same um, same reasons for, for doing things. And it's like, you know, we want to create that um, within our within our game where, you know, come along. Everyone's welcome. It's inclusive. It's it doesn't matter it doesn't matter who you are. It's like you you're all welcome. Um, and that's. One thing that's going to be uh, driven down into, into every single uh, club and uh, every single team that you know I'm involved with. Um, you know, there should be no reason why uh, people can't experience the, their, their best possible life. Agreed, agreed. And you know, you, you exactly hit the nail on the head. And and that's one of the things that I love about doing doing this podcast is I get people of all walks of life, all you know, skin colours, genders, um, nationalities. Um, you know. They might like a different music taste to me or whatever it is. It, it really doesn't matter as long as as long as you kind of have a common interest with someone in terms of, like, say, arguably, say, rugby league or it doesn't even have to be rugby league. It just has to be something that that you enjoy doing and 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 like I say, just just go out and get it. But look, Garen, I really appreciate you you coming on. Um, obviously putting kind of your your two cents into into this podcast, but also into a bit of an insight into the USA Women's Rugby League as well. 
But as ever, you know, the guest always gets the last word. So is there anything that, that you want to kind of put out there? Uh, no, not really. I mean, it's it's great talking to people that are, that are passionate about the game as well. It's, you know, there are a lot of podcasts uh, out there, you know, yourself and Nate and, you know, the guys that, you know, chasing kangaroos down there in Australia. And you know, it's, it's great to have people that are continually supporting the game and moving it forward. And, um, you know, I think, you know, from, from our perspective as well, you know, we, we're in the process of actually building our own um, like podcast for, for women uh, as well. So it's it's one of those things that we're going to uh, continue to work towards and just look at it from a women's perspective. Um, and, like, it's it's going to be something great that, that we eventually, like, work towards. But I think the key thing, like we just touched on there towards the end, is that, you know, there's a lot of things happening in the world. You know, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of hate in different areas. Um, but you know, we've we've kind of just put ourselves in that we're putting ourselves in that position where um, we're trying to create the right cultures. Like we have the opportunity that here in the US that no other sport I believe has, and that's starting uh, starting from scratch with the right culture. Um, and you know, the the opportunity is there for us. The opportunity is there for players for national representation. You know, learning a new skill, um, creating a, gr- a greater community. Um, and just pretty much at the end of the day, just enjoying the sport because the sport is a great sport. You know, like I've, I've played it for many years, um, you know, and I've been involved in different areas and different countries and, and whatever. And, you know, talking about the UK, I love the UK. I think Wake for Trinity by far is the best club that I ever played for. Um, so big shout out to all the Wake for Trinity supporters over there. Um, you know, and I want to get back over there. I'd love to be able to get back over there for the World Cup uh, next year. Um, and look, you know, meet up with, with a lot of people. But at the end of the day, we just don't know what's happening with COVID. And, you know, we're just going to continually move forward with what we're doing with uh, Austin down there in November. And if anyone is interested in coming along and, and joining us, um, just go and like um, at US Women's RL um, on Instagram. Um, and we post all of, it, all of our information through there and um, just reach out to us and um, we'll be able to get back to you. Fair play. Fair play. And to be fair, I've got a soft spot for Wakefield as well. I did my uh, university placement at Wakefield. So, no, big shout out to those guys. And, and obviously, if you get yourself over, I will definitely buy you a beer. Um, but yeah, go go check these guys out on uh, on all social medias, as, as Garen rightly says. And if you want to get involved, just drop them a message. Um, and, you know, someone will definitely, definitely get back to you. But look, I really, really appreciate your time. And uh, really appreciate you, you putting the story of... Uh, of USA Women's out there and, and fighting the good fight, buddy. Thanks, man. That's uh, been enjoyable. Awesome. Good man. Good man. Take care, Garen. Yep. Cheers, Thanks. Bud.